We are live again with another episode of the Play On Podcast with your gracious host, myself, Cal Sirius, alongside my other gracious host, man like... Ash, what's happening? Guten Tag, Ash. I'm not sure if it's the right time of day for such a greeting. Yeah, I think you could... Oh, well, good day. Can I get away with that? Yeah, yeah. I actually done a German GCSE and got a C. Um, don't ask me how I got that C, but yeah, shout out Miss McQuaid. Um, yeah, she was she was a weirdo, but yeah, she got me a C. Okay, weirdos are winning apparently. So um, yeah, good day, good evening, however you want to say it in whatever language you want to say it. Um, much love to all the listeners, of course, and uh, all our absent co-hosts. Mm. Ash, you are sounding mash up right now. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you got a story to tell behind uh, this this. You know this this mashup voice of yours. Yeah, Jericho. Yeah, no, nah, I just come back from a retreat with um some guys. So I run I run something called um, Character Builders Men's Group. So eleven guys were away for the weekend, um, just enjoying life, having a really good time. So um, yeah, nah, it was it was a dope experience, and um, yeah, we had a really really good time. So that's what I'm gonna say on that. <laughs> no more stories. Okay. No, more. Okay. Uh, no, no, no more intel. Okay. Whatever happens, wherever you went, stays wherever you went. I was only Slough. <laughs> what happens right. is Slough stays in Slough. Yeah, not too exciting, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, Slough's dead out here, I'm not going to lie. Slough's a, weird, Slough's a really weird area. <laughs> I went there a long time ago. It's been a while. I can't remember too much about it. But, yeah, it just didn't feel like there was anything special happening over there. Yeah. Can I but do a quick cool. shout-out? Go for it. It's always about the oh. company you keep, so I'm sure you had a special time with your special. Oh team. no! Listen, it was elite. Like this is this is this was top level engagement. Like trust me. So shout out to the shout out to the CB19 boys. Hashtag stay ready. Um, yeah, but listen, I need to give an even bigger shout out. No, not a bigger shout out. A big shout out to Atletico Trotters who are top of the league. So Wes, my manager, has jumped on before, and he's been on the podcast. And I do like training with them every now and then. But they won today 5-2. They have won six out of seven games so far. And they're completely running away with the league. So shout out to the Trotters. So happy that you guys are... Like all the hard work that you guys are putting over the last two years is being kind of like shown today. So yeah, I'm really, really happy that, that they're top of the league. And yeah, we might have a... I don't know if I get a medal. I'm signed up, but I haven't kicked the ball for two years. But I might try and like... I might, you know, do you remember Martin Keown? When he tried to get like those ten appearances, I might I, I might randomly turn up last game of the season. Just be like, yo guys, no, nah, I would never do that. Like, it's just been... bringing him off the bench. Like, yeah, no, nah, that's scandalous. No, nah, I would never do that. I'd never get the medal. Get the medal. Yeah, no, nah, the guys, the guys definitely like deserve a league title. There's some top quality ballers there as well. So hopefully they see it all the way through and they're league champions by the end of the year. Okay, um, shout out to the uh, yeah. I remember having our little chat with Wes. Um, Definitely knows his onions. I'm sure he had his lads all fired up all season long. And uh, he was a big reason why they got the title. So, yeah, shout out to Wes. Uh, maybe we should get him back to talk about, you know, what it takes to win the championship. Yeah, let's win it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's win it first. I don't want to preempt anything. If they go on a bad run, they are going, they are going to, they're going to lever me. <laughs> for bigging them up so much so hopefully that doesn't happen um, it's coming on um so yeah 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 shout out to everybody um one person that doesn't get a shout out we'll get into that we'll get into that because that's obviously the big story 
But um, let's let's have a look at these fixtures. Premier League this weekend. One of the biggest games, Leicester versus Chelsea. I always like these clashes where you get two teams that have the same colour kit. Um, so it's Leicester versus Chelsea, the Blues versus the Blues. Now, I know you've had a busy weekend, Ash, so you probably mm. haven't had a chance to catch a lot of the football. Mm. Um, so I'll kind of just uh, give my opinion on this one because I did watch some of this game. But you know what I'm like, kind of playing fee for half an hour in a game, half an hour in my game. Um, but um, what I noticed from Chelsea is that these guys just look rigid. Like it, it looks impossible to break them down. And there's a bit of rotation going on as well, which is mm. even more interesting because they can chop and change the team before and after the international break. It, it doesn't seem to disturb their rhythm. Um, you know, players coming in out, you've got uh, Lukaku out injured, Havertz is filling in up top. You might thought you might have thought they would struggle without their main striker. But they went in 3-0 against a very good Leicester team. Um, and Kante's popping up with a goal. I saw Kante's goal go in and I was just yeah, like, oh my days, this guy running all the way up the pitch and smashing one in on his lefty. Just the kind of thing that you don't expect to happen. I suppose maybe you could say it was just Chelsea's day when Kante uh, scoring great goals like that. Um, but then you've got these solid defensive performances from Thiago Silva and, you know, Rudiger Chalabar coming in looking like uh, just a composed central defender. Mm. Um, thoughts on this match there? Yeah, I think so. When I was at the re- I was at the retreat while this was on and we actually watched some of it um, before we jumped into what the, we, we had to do. And yeah, it was a really big statement from Chelsea. Um, Rudiger scored good because he's in my fantasy team. Didn't have the greatest week, but he definitely was like a real, a real, a real positive for for me. What I like about Chelsea though is I like how the goals are being spread out and literally just being put all over the place. So like we say, Kante scored now. Their fullbacks have been very, very good in scoring. Um, a centre back has scored today. Ziyech is more of a creative player. He scored. They've they've won three 0 and they've not had a striker on the pitch. And I think once they do get those strikers kind of really going again, so Lukaku made a good start and he's kind of slowed down recently and then been injured. You still got Werner. Like they've got they've got some really good players um, to come back in and to actually like potentially really score. So. Yeah, man, like very, very good win for them. And it's interesting with Leicester that, um, especially at home, they've not performed too well. I mean, they beat Man United, but it seems like everyone does at the moment. Um, but on top of that, they've been they've been beaten at home quite a bit this season. And it'd be interesting to see like how they perform, like and how they react to to another another pretty comprehensive defeat. Uh, since you mentioned FPL, I had a quick look at my team and I was thinking for a second, I just got manager of the week and then I clicked on Jay's team and I think he might have just picked me to mm. it. He got one point more than me. 86 points for Jay, 85 points for me. And I had five points on the bench, which is wow. a bit upsetting. But they a strong, a strong week for me in FPL. Mm. It was all about the defence this week and 
uh, with Rudiger scoring, I'm sure a lot of people would have had Rudiger in their team. A lot of people would have had Liverpool and the City defenders, and that's where all the points were coming from this week. Um, so moving on from Leicester versus Chelsea, we're going into Aston Villa versus Brighton. Uh, three goals Chelsea scored away from home. Aston Villa scored two goals at home to Brighton. Brighton being a team that has put together, uh, you know, you could say they're in a rich vein of form. Mm. They did have a strong run, but it kind of seems like it's unraveling now since they played Arsenal. Mm. Maybe we're just that kind of team now. Mm-hmm. We just kill people's season, you know. Um, but uh, maybe a strong performance from Aston Villa under the new governor, Steven Gerrard, his first game in charge. And he gets a dub. How big is that for Steven Gerrard? Yeah, it's huge. I think as a new manager, your first game is it's integral. It can really set the scene for what happens next. Um, and yeah, I think two 0 at home. I think they're a great. It was a good. It was a good first game. If you're honest, like you said, if you say to me like your first game in the league is Brighton at home. I know Brighton at one stage could have gone top of the league, but. I think genuinely you you take that as a good first game and clean sheet, you know, that the, the basics, you've got to keep a clean sheet to get something from the game. And then you've got your striker, Ollie Watkins, being able to kind of grab a goal. Tyrone Mings also gets a goal after having what I think has been a very rocky start um, for Tyrone Mings. I think last season he had a very good season. Um, got himself into the England squad, actually started the first two games and was kind of seen as the third the third centre back or <clears throat> the 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 or the 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 first the kind of the first replacement for any of the centre backs if they were out. And this season he seems to have dropped off from that level from last year. And um, I think a couple of them have as well. Like Martinez doesn't doesn't quite seem the same. I don't think Target's been as good as he has been. I think Cash had a, has been good going forward, but maybe not as good defensively. So as a result, it's kind of like mm, new management. We need to kind of get stuff happening again. He's the club captain as well, so they've lost Jack. They've lost Jack Grealish. Having Tyrone Mings playing well, kind of scoring, being imposing, is a big part of them being able to push forward. And I think yeah, like two 0 They've got some. They got a couple of tricky games coming up, but that's a very good start for them and a very good start for Steven Gerrard on his first um, managerial game in the Premier League. Well done to Steve G. Um, I've actually thought that Mings and Concert partnership hasn't been bearing much fruit, mm. but it's a clean sheet, so maybe Steven Gerrard can do something with them mm. in there. Um, and I do like Matty Cass, so I hope you start watching him for the rest of the season and, and mm. you start to see why I think he's a good player. Mm. So, a uh, clean sheet for Matty Cash as well. Well done all round. Burnley versus Crystal Palace. Now, this is a game where I was making an FPL transfer. I had a choice, right, between Cornet and Gallagher. And I thought, mm. the way that Vieira's had his Palace team set up, I kind of feel like they could go to Burnley and there could be an upset and Gallagher could be involved. Mm. But just the way things worked out, it didn't work out. So that was a, a substitution. That I, think, I mean, he got five points, so he got an yeah, assist. Yeah, he got an assist. He got an assist but, and Cornet got a goal. So I think there's yeah. only a difference of two points. But that would have been enough for me to win the uh, manager mm. of the week, wouldn't it, if I'd have, if I'd have made that call right. Mm. Um, but that's the way the cookie crumbles, man. Uh, didn't watch the game myself. Um, but uh, I know uh, Alan St. Maximum scored. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, looking at the results here, you got a goal from the cells and one from Joel Linton. Joel Linton, I feel like he's a terrible player. I saw the highlights, right, on a match of the day. And there was a chance where the guy just couldn't get the ball out of his feet and shoot. Like, he could have won him the game. It was a great chance. He should have scored. Is he one of the guys that needs to be replaced when January opens and Eddie Howe's got some money to spend? Yeah, he's not good. Like, there's a lot of players that need to be replaced. Like, I don't think there's many that's going to stay for, like we said, the ambitions of what they want to like they want to do. So, yeah, he's had a good game today. He's scored and done that stuff, but long term he's not the answer, right? So, if he was if he was the answer, they wouldn't be where they are in the league right now. Um, so yeah, I think it's like free free. It's, it's very interesting. It's a it's an up and down game. That's great stuff. But similar to the point of what we said. For like like Gerard, Brighton at home, two 0 win is in the bank. Like Brentford at home is another game that you'd be like, yeah, I'd fancy that for a first game. And for Newcastle to have been like down in the game and had to kind of keep struggling back, I think it really does show just how how big this job is. Um, obviously Eddie Howe wasn't formally on the touchdown because he's got COVID nineteen at the moment, but I'm sure once he's there, once he's able to kind of like communicate, get his his ideas across on the training pitch as well as kind of on the touchline, then maybe we'll see um, an, increased perform- an increased performance from um, Newcastle. Yo, I don't remember who the manager of our Corona 11 was. Was it Pep? Did Pep have COVID? I can't remember, you know. Because I'm just wondering, could Eddie Howe squeeze himself into our Corona 11 now that he's got COVID? No, nah, I'm sure there's better managers that have had COVID. <laughs> Let's put him on the, uh, mm. on the, on, on the short list. Um, mm. So yeah, um, Eddie Howe. Yeah, getting a point. You know, is it, they didn't lose. Which is, mm. But yeah, I, as you kind of suggested, at home to Brentford, this is a game that Newcastle need to win, especially in the position that they're in at the bottom end of the table. This was a bit of a six point for them. They really needed to get these points in the bag, and they didn't. So. Yeah, it's not looking so great for Newcastle at the moment. Um, Mm. But uh, with Brentford even having their first-choice goalkeeper unavailable, he's out Mm. injured. It's a shame that they couldn't get the win, but, you know, there you go. They're conceding a lot of goals, and eventually it is going to catch up to them, so, yeah. Norwich 2, Southampton 1, Dean Smith. You know, I kind of didn't see this coming because we had our little review on managers in the last episode. And mm. I didn't see that Dean Smith would be a guy that would go out on one job and straight into another one. Although I thought it, it was possible. Mm. It just seems incredible. Maybe or maybe, you know, there was a a deal in place some conversations. And, you know, this was something that had been looked at you know, well before the announcements came out. Um, what do you think? Do you think this is a match made in heaven, Dean Smith and Norwich? I don't know. Like, he's obviously a good enough manager to get a team up um, from the championship. He done that with Aston Villa. He, he then consolidated them in the first season for them to stay up. Sorry. Scrape survival in the first season, then consolidated properly in the second season. The issue I had with Daniel Fark is that I never ever thought that he'd consolidate Norwich as a as a Premier League side. I think maybe Dean Smith might not do it this time because of the the break, the, the, the nature of the squad. But I think if they were to go down and they were to come back up, I think they have a better chance of being like 
successful in the Premier League long term with him as manager than anyone else. And I think that's a that's a really big that's a really big point for him at the moment. So yeah, I'm I'm um I'm happy for him to get to get another job. I think I did mention that I thought his sacking was slightly harsh. Um but yeah, let's see let's see how it actually plays out over the next over the next few weeks. Um and months. But yeah, Nor- Norwich have won two games back to back when no one thought that was gonna be the case and they're now approaching double figures after at one stage looking like they could be the team that got the lowest amount of Premier League points ever. So it's positive. It's been a positive it's been a positive um two game weeks for for, for, for Norwich City. Mm, um what do you think of um, the prospect of being able to keep their players if they do go down Norwich? The likes of Max Ahrens and Todd Cantwell, are they going to be off maybe other teams coming in for him or do you think they should be able to, to keep them? Well, Cantwell's barely played and I don't think he's in much favour at the moment. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, Max Ahrens has a lot of suitors, but... I've never been like completely convinced with him. I think he's okay, but I don't think he's the the, the greatest in the world. Um, yeah, I think, I think they've made the greatest signings this season. You know, yeah, the, the likes of uh, Solis, the Greek uh, striker, and Rashikar, Sergeant, Kabak American as well, has come in. Like the guy that was at Liverpool last year. <coughs> yeah, he I'm was not terrible at Liverpool, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm not the biggest. I'm really not the biggest fan of. Um, what they've done and I think like I said the if Dean Smith has that squad maybe goes down and comes back up and he, he's able to identify players who can keep them in the Premier League I think he's got way more chance of doing it than, than Daniel Fark ever had Watford 4 Manchester United 1 wow talked about wow. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being on the ropes talked about El Sakiko and him just kind of scraping out just 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 for the skin of his teeth just about but boy, my man swung the block swung the block boy let's take a look at the Premier mm. League table I mean wow we're talking eighth in the league Manchester United after 12 games played currently behind West Ham Wolverhampton and an, and you know an Arsenal team that had probably the worst start to the season in the history of the football club. Mm. Just really not good enough for Manchester United, is it? Just really not. I think at the start of the season when we heard that Ronaldo was signing for the club, we were having these conversations about how this will probably put a bit more pressure onto Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now because now you've got a certified world-class player in your team if you didn't have any before. Mm. Um, and I, I think, in my opinion, it might have been just one big player too many. And hold Ollie, on, hold Ollie on, hold on, hold on, having, hold on, hold on. just on. not having the, the resources to be able <sighs> to, to balance this team and make it work. Hold on. Now, I am going to go back into the archives of players. Let's go. Let's go. Because there was one person who said the signing of Ronaldo is not good for Manchester United on this podcast. And I know who that person was. That person was me. The dramatic silence. 
that person was me and i've been completely vindicated with with, with, with what i said don't get me wrong it could turn around but i said i do not think this is a good signing for manchester united and i and, I, and everything i've said has actually come to fruition i said it would affect bruno fernandez's goal output yep definitely kind of happened it would affect the amount of like playing time for some of the younger players like Sancho and Greenwood. I said it would also kind of destabilize kind of like what some of the stuff that has been built up. Because remember, what you got to remember is like United went through the whole season unbeaten away from home last year. One thing as well, they finished second, and yeah, they did they didn't win the league, but there was actually a pro- there was actual progress. Yeah, moving forward, they even had like kind of Pogba in that little that little role to the left where they could kind of do the little things. Like Mason Greenwood had a great start to the season, and since Ronaldo's been there, his numbers have completely come off the like 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 gone off of the cliff. Well, everyone's numbers have, haven't they? That's the thing, though. Like when you've got someone like Ronaldo, and don't get me wrong, like he's actually delivered some great moments this season. Like his goal against Tottenham was absolutely stunning. Don't get me wrong, but if we're genuinely like honest about this stuff, like when you have a player like. Ronaldo, he's a bit of a vacuum for the rest of like everyone else's kind of like numbers and, and achievements. A lot of it becomes about him and the focus goes into what they were doing. Like again, even someone like Edison Cavani can't get a kick now, but in the games that Cavani's played, you've seen the willingness, the endeavour, the ability to kind of run and do stuff. It's just completely unsettled the club. And I think when you've chased Sancho for so long and you finally got him, you've then gone and got like like Varane, who's an exceptional centre back. You've almost you've almost looked past getting yourself a defensive midfielder, which they've been screaming out for for ages. They had enough goals in that team. I, I don't care what anyone says to me. They had enough goals in the team. They didn't need Ronaldo. And I actually think that this whole the whole pursuit of Ronaldo and stuff like that has actually meant that Solskjaer has now put his own head on the block. And as a result, he's now done it because he was like, oh, you have to have someone like Ronaldo in the team. You can't allow him to go to City. You've now essentially changed your entire structure, how you play. It hasn't worked for you. Your most prominent player for the last 18 months now looks a shell of himself. Just There's just so many things that have kind of gone wrong. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just really, really... Am I glad to be right? Yeah, I am because I'm not a United fan. But this was really evident and really, and this was this was very very clear to me. And even though there were a couple of decent results and Ronaldo scored a couple of good goals, this was this to me was destined to happen. It was destined to happen, and everyone else just got really caught up in the furore of CR7's back. But this isn't CR7 when he was 23 years old. This isn't CR7 even when he was when he was flipping 30 years old. This is a this is a 36 year old CR7 who cares about his numbers, cares about stat padding, at the cost of the progression of a team. Well, I think we did have a well-balanced discussion and we all did, you know, look at the angles here and and warn, you know, I think uh, the listeners will be able to remember that. We did warn that this might not work out well for the reasons that you suggested there as well. And they're going to have to do so. I remember actually talking about Sancho and saying, you know, if Sancho's going to actually score any goals this season he's going to struggle he's going to have to beat two players and Ben around the keeper because a player like Ronaldo isn't going to pass the ball if there's a goal scoring opportunity going and someone like Bruno Fernandes he scores his goals from midfield so if if Sancho's making a run and and he's going to get into a good goal scoring position Fernandes is going to go for goal and there's been times when Fernandes has done that and he scored and times when maybe Ronaldo should have passed and he's taken a shot and he hasn't scored mm. so 
And I, I think Pogba playing on the left last season was huge for Manchester United. That was a discovery that probably no one saw coming that just worked like a treat because it wasn't working playing Pogba in the middle. But as soon as they moved him out to the left, it's like it kind of freed him up of having to do the defensive duties and allowed him to come inside and play a bit more centrally because he wasn't like hugging the touchline or anything. He's kind of like playing left attack in midfield and cutting in on his right foot. Um, And so with him having to come back into the middle, it's just completely killed what they had going on before. I don't think Sancho's had the biggest impact or hasn't been utilised properly. Um, yeah, of course, Ronaldo coming is going to have an effect on other players. But essentially, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the man picking the team, the man who has to make it all work. If he felt like, you know what, this signing is going to upset the balance of my team, then he's the man who has to say, no, I don't want to sign Ronaldo. And maybe he was too accommodating. Maybe he just said, yeah, 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 let's bring him in. Mm. Um or, you know, maybe he said, no. who knows what happened behind the scenes? Maybe he actually said no. And the board said, well, this is going to be great for us. You know, commercially, we're going to be able to sell all the shows. We want to make this happen. And he just had to like it Olympic kind of thing. But either way, it's costing his job. And uh, I think a lot of Manchester United fa- fans won't be upset because there's been an Oli Art campaign going on for a very long time on social media. And now there's talk. Uh, you know, we don't normally do the gossip on this podcast, but there is talk of a huge potential replacement. So if that happens, some United fans were upset that Conte was available and United didn't move earlier to replace Solskjaer with Conte. As we know, he's gone to Spurs. But I do think if, if this one uh, that's been muted at the moment, whew, if, if, if that works out, they could be in... That, that 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 could be an absolutely incredible point. So it's a bit watch this space at the mm. moment to see what's going to happen at Manchester United. Um, in terms of a caretaker manager, Ash, uh, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Um, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Like, I think I think Carrot's going to be in there for the time being. I don't think they're going to go beyond that. Similar to what they've done with like other times when I think after Moyes went, they brought in gigs because he was on the staff. Um. Yeah, it's just it's such a big it's such a big it's a big thing like United. Like when you've had when you had like what a manager for twenty six years, right? You've then had um, Moyes, Van Gaal. You then had Mourinho, and then you've had Solskjaer, all within eight years. It just means that Man United are just now like a, just a normal team like. This was the team that was like kind of like the standard, the ones that didn't do this kinds of stuff. Like Arsenal was a little bit like that with Wenger as well, and obviously we've changed our manager twice. It's just when you have a when you like when you create a dynasty with someone, it's so hard to kind of like move forward from that. And I think it's just really really telling that even though like we said there was an 18 month period where Man United did actually progress and did move forward and. And look like they were going to approach themselves to beat like title challenges this year, just how quickly it can all kind of change. So yeah, we'll see what they do, man. If they get Zidane, like Zidane's an exceptional coach. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Like if they got if they got Zidane and like obviously Spurs have got Conte, that's two like exceptional managers that are in the league now. Um but yeah, let's just see how it plays out. Be interesting great, to see how it plays out. Great news for neutrals. Terrible yeah. defeat that saw Oli leave. 
losing 4-1 away to Watford. Mm. Manchester United losing at Vicarage Road is bad enough. Mm. By four, conceding four goals. Mm. Yes, a lot, man. Two nil down at half time. And then another couple of just uh, sorting the wound. I mean, shout out to um, the Tinker Man. Like, I mean, I did not expect Ranieri to pull off this bit of wizardry here. Mm. But I suppose he's got enough quality to get the job done. Mm. Well, Josh King has, has come in and he's he's, he's looked motivated. Mm. Um, Sarah seemed to have uh, rediscovered his early season form, and you know, and, and Dennis is popping up with a goal as well. So, mm. just a bit too much for Manchester. I wonder if because the quality on the pitch from Man United, you'd think it is surely it's too much for Watford, but you know, with Maguire getting sent off. Um, even though at that point the game was really done anyway to be fair um, but it just kind of meant that they were never going to get back into the game and well, yeah. it's just with Ronaldo and Fernandez and Rashford and Sancho all this quality on the pitch you'd think you should be going there and just getting a 3-0 win or something mm. <sighs> let's see let's see what happens when a new manager comes in it, it might be a situation where it's a miraculous turnaround and maybe the players down towards a little bit. Um, I've, I have seen the last few games where Ronaldo have, has kind of just scored last minute goals to rescue a result. Um, which kind of makes me think that these guys aren't playing as well as they should be playing. And they're needing to rely on individual brilliance to just rescue a result instead of having a, a systematic team performance that guarantees a victory. And mm. I think that kind of thing only, that's the kind of thing we used to see under Sir Alex Ferguson, a systematic performance where it doesn't matter who played, somebody else could be out, somebody else comes in, the team has a, a format, they play the same way and they dominate possession and they win games. Mm. Uh, and not this kind of counter-attack football that Man United are playing under, were playing under Oligon and Solskjaer. So, I'll feed us in and on to the next, which takes us to Wolves versus West Ham United. Um, I'm sure this is another one you probably didn't get a chance to, to have a look at. Maybe not the most glamorous fixture out of the weekend's games. No, I missed it. I just know that I know that him and I scored and they kept a clean sheet. Um, and what's weird about West Ham is obviously their last game, they actually beat Liverpool. And momentum is a big thing in football. So, like, for them, the international break came at the complete wrong time. Mm. Um, and it's just it's one of those things where, like, you could be on a real high two weeks gone, you kind of come back, it just feels a bit difficult. So, so yeah. Unlucky, really. Um, but, yeah, good win for Wolves. Clean sheet and everything. Uh, upwards and onwards for them. I do like that Jimenez is back now after his mm. injury and looking a bit out of sorts at the start. And then uh, that moment where he kind of missed the header and he just took mm. his little headband off and threw it on the floor like, ah, mm. damn it, I'm, I'm not doing this thing. And now mm. he's just back. Um, absolutely love it. Had him on my dream team as well. So very well, happy. Yeah, you've done, you done very well. Very happy with those uh, points from Jimenez there. Um. Only a couple of more games left to review. Arguably the biggest 
fixture of the weekend, Liverpool versus Arsenal, and also one of the biggest scorelines of the weekend. Can't really can't really talk too much about Manchester United when you get battered four 0 away, can you, Ash? Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Like, because I think, like we said, we've been on an upward trajectory. Um, I've got a lot to say about this match, but just on back to Man United. We were not up with trajectory, but United have been kind of going downhill for the vast majority of this season as well. So um, I think you can talk about it because I think you're talk you're not talking about this one particular game, and even then, like losing four nil away to Liverpool, who have been exceptional with the exception of one loss in their last twenty seven games, versus a Watford team that got beat five 0 at home by a said Liverpool team. Um, have struggled in lots of other games. Um, it's quite, it's quite, it's a, United should never ever go to Watford and get beat 4-1. Arsenal should never go to Liverpool and get beat 4-0, but I would rather lose 4-0 to Liverpool than lose 4-1 to Watford. 100%. First part I say there. I think um, this was a very interesting game just in the sense that um, not signing two defeatists, I'm, a, I'm very much a realist when it comes to Arsenal. I expected us to lose. I didn't think we would beat them. I think Liverpool, are Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea are the three clearly best teams in the league this season and they will be fighting out for the title. Um, we haven't had a particularly good good, good um, record at, um, at Anfield recently um, and we've actually taken some really heavy scorelines up there. So... Even though we were going into this, and, and what was what was slightly annoying as well going into this was the amount of talk about how good we've done, we've done, and how much progress is kind of happening. But I looked at the fixtures and the teams that we played, and a one-nil win against Watford, yeah, it should have been more, but you know, the two-two against Palace, um, I think the Leicester, the like Leic- the Leicester result and the Tottenham result were were standout results. But then actually, if you look at what's happened to, to Leicester at home this season, quite a few teams are going there and beating them. Tottenham have been an absolute like they've been dire. So actually, some of the bigger results that we've had actually don't stand up as strongly as they have done in previous seasons because those teams are not performing as well as they have done previously. That's not to say that we haven't seen improvements. And it's really weird because I was speaking to my friend today who I'm going to get on a podcast soon. He said to me, <laughs> he didn't say it was a good four nil, but he said it wasn't like some of the other drubbings that we've had and. I understand his wider point about being like positive and seeing it as part of the process, but to me, four 0 is four 0 isn't it? And especially Trust the, the process, of, I'll take assist to us. Yeah, no, nah, drop. I'm dropping me out in it. Um, but I think four wins look, and a bounce. Yeah. So against who? Four wins and a bounce, and like you said, you know we haven't got the best record against Liverpool. You don't really expect to win this game, um, and losing is part of the process. Yeah, but no, I, I just I don't I don't agree with trust the process just for the sake of it. Like I think, like you said, tr- tr- seeing the process is actually doing the right things consistently. And like you said, losing is fine, but there's still a way to lose. I think this. I think I did see a few things that were slightly better, but I just think it shows a real depth of quality that we have up front. And I feel like our ability to kind of like not have anyone to like hold the ball up or really know how to like occupy like a back line. Or like we saw Mikel Antonio do it against Liverpool like two weeks earlier, that they were genuinely petrified of him. Like whenever he had the ball, he was able to run with it. Like the transitions were good. Like our two strikers just don't seem to be able to hold the ball up. So what it means is it's a constant barrage of like pressure. Any good side that can kind of like pinch the ball and put a press on us is going to give us that kind of pressure. Does that make sense? So 
makes perfect sense. Yeah, I just, I just, I just really think that I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to just to, to get this game out of the way. Like we've got Newcastle next week. Hopefully, we, like we bounce back with a win. But it does put worries in me for some of the the other teams who, if any team does have a decent press, I feel like a lot of our work will kind of be unraveled very quickly. And I feel like that to me is the the next big thing he has to do. Like he's he's settled on a formation now. He's settled on certain players. He's settled on like for instance, Odegaard doesn't start. We haven't seen Pepe for a while. The back four has been a back four for quite a long time. But I now think what we need to start doing is actually starting to get the patterns of play right and actually really utilise the strengths of the team. And I think we need to buy a striker. And I think we need to buy. I think we need to sell one of Aubameyang and Lacazette in January and buy and buy a striker. I really do. Well, Aubameyang is going to the African Cup of Nations in January, so I doubt anyone will be trying to sign him. Um, Lacazette has his contract running out at the end of the season, mm. so I doubt anyone will be buying him. But there is talk. There is talk about Arsenal being interested in signing players. And with Aubameyang going away, there is potential for a striker mm. to come in. So there is hope. Uh, just on the point of uh, any team with a decent press, I would say that Liverpool don't just have a decent press. I'd say they have one of the best presses in Europe. They're, they're known as a pressing team and their press is ridiculous. No, it's, but that's my wider not, point. Like, it's not easy it, to play against them. We no, played against teams like Burnley that tried to press us and we did okay. Burnley don't press though like that. Burnley are very functional. Exactly, not like that. That's what I mean. But Liverpool is like, mm. like that's that's the standard, you know. I, I I just think you're maybe being a bit harsh, um, because Liverpool could turn any team over. Could. Oh yeah, no, don't get me wrong, but that's that's the that's the point I'm saying that like actually there's been so for instance I give an example yeah we struggled in the in the Crystal Palace game in a two two that like the way that Vieira gets them to press was actually giving us problems as well. Like, we were forfeiting the ball quite a lot in that game. So that's, so that's my wider point. That like Obviously, we've seen, like, the top level of it. But the general point is, when you then play a team with a decent press, we tend to fall apart very, very quickly. And that's the next stage of the evolution, being able to play a team with a decent press and not have to and not have to essentially kind of, like, scrape through, be able to manage that and still impose yourself on that game. I'm not saying we need to be at Liverpool's level right now, but we need to see... We, 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 like I said, he's got the lineup sorted. Now it's the patterns of play and how to counteract the traps that other teams put in put in place for you. Mm. Uh, I thought I thought of a funny tweet earlier when I tweeted a uh, Oxlade Traitlin. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've heard talk about uh, maybe Arsenal trying to re-sign him. Uh, I'm not sure about that one, but uh, already come back to us. Oh, you know, he's not playing week in, week out at Liverpool, so you never know. You never know. And he might just have a heart and soul at Arsenal. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, good performance from young Simicast coming in, deputising for Robertson, and just all-round dominant display from Liverpool. Arsenal were just second to every ball and just completely outclassed in every department of the pitch, really. Um, I did like Diogo Jota's goal. I thought, you know, he showed some good composure. Um, maybe Ramsdale could have done a bit better. I thought he went down a little bit early for that one. But, yeah. No, I just think that's on Tavares. I feel like whatever happens after that, it's just done. Like, Ramsdale, Ramsdale's Ramsdale. Like, he's done very well for himself. But 
yeah, I don't. I wouldn't put anything on him to be fair. I think that's just a Tavares error. It happens. We move good finish. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, Ramsdale. Was I think Ramsdale should have done. I think Ramsdale should have done better on Marnie's first goal. I definitely feel like where the ball went in comparison to how far it was from his body. I think, I think, I think the the form he's in at the moment. I expected him to do better with saving that. He did have a good game though. Shout out to Ramsdale. Probably Arsenal's man of the match in that game. Um, Manchester City versus Everton. Another blue versus blue. 3-0 Manchester mm. City. An unlikely scorer in this one. From Rodri. Absolutely. I thought he was going to say Raheem Sterling because he doesn't start anymore. <laughs> well, he actually should have scored another one. There was another chance he had where he was clean through. And I'm thinking just tuck that away. And it looked like he just kind of... You know, like... When, you know, like when you're in two minds, like, should I pass, should I shoot, or should I go with my left or should I go with my right? And then just that little hesitation is enough to fluff the shots. Um, so I think that's that's why he didn't score two goals in the game. But he still scored one. And uh, Rodri, absolute cracker of a strike, hit it from about 20 yards out, smashed it right in the top bins. <sighs> wow. Uh, Bernardo Silva's goal was more like a bit of a tapping, I think. But... Um, yeah, um, it's not really looking too good for Everton at the moment. Their form is looking like relegation form. Four defeats out of the last five games. And the other result was a draw. Yeah. What's going on at Everton? I don't know, man. I think I think I think they're really they're they're, they're missing they're missing Calvert Lewin as their focal point. Like obviously his goals. They just don't seem as settled as they were beforehand, and I think they're playing, they're playing um, like Gordon as a winger, Awobi and Gray. I think it's too much. I think they need to just go back to four three three. I think they need to play that. I think the Corey's been out for a little while, so I think he's a he's a very big miss for them. I just think maybe when they were playing like him and Allen, they had a really nice partnership that was doing well at the start of the season. So I think those two need to get back to where they were playing at. And I think maybe going back to, like, say, 4-3-3 will kind of benefit them long term. Um, a bit more stability in the middle of the park. And then, obviously, whether it's kind of Gray or Townsend or Richarlison or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, just working out a system that works with those three up top. Upwards and onwards from Manchester City. Second in the table, 26 points, three points behind Chelsea. Mm. Still chasing, not sure if they can catch them. Uh, one team that is making up a bit of ground is Tottenham Hotspur. Them beating Leeds 2-1 at home after the new man comes in, Antonio Conte. Mm. I mean, it's been an eventful season for them. You know, changed manager, one-to-way star striker. Kane's not scoring in this game. Son not scoring in this game. Goals coming from... Your left back and your defensive midfielder. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a lucky win or if it's a, a good performance. I didn't actually watch the ninety minutes to be honest with you. Leeds outplayed them, but they got a result. Yeah, Leeds outplayed them in the first half. Um, I think a comeback win is a good win. Um, first home game is important. Um, like we said with the other with the other new managers that have kind of kicked on kicked off. Spurs is just a really weird team because like I think I think like 
obviously Kane's gone away. He's played two very like limited teams. He's got seven goals. Um, a lot of people, I, me myself, was like, yeah, here's where his season starts. Like, I remember Leeds were Leeds were really under strength. They didn't have um, Rodrigo. They didn't have Bamford. Rafinha didn't play. Um, like they're really missing. Like Aylin's been out for them. They're missing a lot of players at the moment, and yeah, you kind of thought, yeah, this could be a really good opportunity for for for, for Leeds to um, sorry, a good opportunity for Tottenham to really like stamp their authority on this Leeds team. But they're a work in progress. Um, Conte will 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 improve them, but yeah, I think um, I think if this run continues from Harry Kane, there may become a posi- a time where they have to actually look at whether he's whether he should really be in the team. And um, who would have ever thought that we'd be doubting Harry Kane's um, place in the starting lineup? That's crazy. Wow. I mean, if a bid comes in from City in January, do you think he should be off? Oh, 100%. Because I think what you can then do is you can actually like, build a team, a new team. And that, that money, along with probably some of the investment that's been promised to Antonio Conte anyway... Could completely revolutionise that 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 Tottenham team. So I've always been a believer that if someone's if like if someone's unhappy at a football team and you get a decent bid for them, let them go. Like I think it's I think it's there's no point keeping people um, where they don't want to be. Nice to see Dan James getting a goal for uh, Leeds, but the team is looking raggedy. Mm. Calvin Phillips playing centre back. Obviously, no Rafinha, no Bamford. No, there's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of injuries. And I think some of the key ideas that Bielsa does hasn't really been that kind of um, translating through this year. Um, I think they will be fine. I think once once their main players start coming back and hitting some form, they will be OK. But I definitely think they need to start picking up some, some, some results soon. I think they've got some decent fixtures coming up as well. So, yeah, time to start beating the teams around them. And then from once you do that, you then move up the table and then and then and, and and then you're good. And I think they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. So uh, that concludes our discussion on the weekend's results and fixtures. Mm. Moving on to some news. There's a quick bit of news coming from Rotherham where they were investigating an alleged incident of racist abuse during a match against Cambridge. United. Um, so, always sad to see these kinds of stories coming out. Um, and it's like a continual theme from us here that, you know, we, mm. we like to see these stories coming out and we like to see action being taken. Um, and, you know, eventually we want to see these stories disappearing, man. We don't want to see these stories of racial abuse. Yeah. 100%. Um, another story will be regarding Rangers over in Scotland. Uh, one manager leaves, another manager comes in. You know, uh, we've had uh, one of our Premier League legends, Steven Gerrard, come back as a manager and winning his first game for Aston Villa. Mm. And um, the man who replaced him is none other than a SPO legend, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. 
Yeah, I want I, I want to call him an Arsenal legend. How how do you feel about that? No, he's not an Arsenal legend. Arsenal, former Arsenal player, but definitely not an Arsenal legend. <laughs> I tried. Sorry, Giovanni. Mm. Um, I liked him at Arsenal. Man. I thought he was a quality player, but you know he, he doesn't have the legacy of a Patrick Vieira or anything like that. So. Oh yeah, yeah. not even close. Fair point. Um, but yeah, Gio Van Bronckhorst is now uh, manager of Rangers. I'm not sure what his character is like off the field. You know, I don't think he's one where I've seen him do too many interviews and known what kind of personality he has. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on over there. Um, I'm sure he's well respected over there. He's definitely won titles with Rangers before he came over to the Premier League. And he had a good career in the Premier League as well as in the SPL. So, yeah, good luck to him and, and hopefully he does well over there. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Wanted to do well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and I guess our last story for today will be one regarding the World Cup in 2022, the qualification. And there's a question, who will be in Qatar and who is in the playoffs? Mm. So, yeah, just to run through, so um, after the last round of games, um, there's now 13 teams that have confirmed their place. Um, we will do some work on the playoffs, and we'll, when we get more teams, we will confirm that. We just wanted to, to let everyone know that. So far, along with the host, Qatar, we have Belgium, Croatia, Denmark, England, France, Germany, Netherlands, Serbia, Spain, Switzerland, Brazil, and Argentina as the 12 nations to join Qatar to make 13. Um, unlucky for some. Probably not for this group, because I think the winner will come from this group. Um, hold on, Italy's not there, so maybe. Um, yeah, so we just wanted to kind of like give an update about that. So lots of international football has been taking place. Um, and yeah, there's some obviously some real top quality teams in that in that list of 13. And um, yeah, I, I I don't know how I feel about this World Cup. Um, obviously, the schedule start to kind of come out. There's going to be a massive like gap in the middle of the domestic season next year. It's going to feel really really weird. Like literally doing your Christmas shopping, and it's going to be like the World Cup quarterfinal. Like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever next year. But um, yeah, let's see how it happens. Like money, money rules football, right? So um, that's why we're in Qatar in the winter having a World Cup rather than having it in the normal the normal summer months. Um, this, this is it. You can't have yeah. a, a summer tournament in Qatar. The heat yeah. over there, I mean, just for the regular citizens, it, it will be difficult for them to be yeah. out in the heat all day, let yeah. alone for people to be running up and down for 90 minutes or more if you go to extra time. Mm. I just, just can't happen. Summer has to be in the winter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, like you say, it does seem like it's a money thing. Mm. Um, because you would have thought it's just unfeasible to have the World Cup in Qatar. Mm. Really, unfortunately, it just doesn't make sense. But somehow they've got it done. So, so yeah, maybe one of these teams could be the winner. Um, we've seen England do quite well in recent times. You know, uh, I, I, I don't want to get too carried away, Ash, but mm. the form of Jude Bellingham out in Germany, the mm. form of Trent Alexander-Arnold is picked up. I mean, with Manchester United, Luke Shaw has, has, has tailed off. Um, I've seen Man United fans talking about 
how he's overweight and he's looking unfit. Um, but then Chilwell's picked up his form at Chelsea. So I think mm. that's a like-for-like replacement that can come in there. Um, so I think we've got some some new players that can come in and add something new to the squad. Um, let's see what happens with Sterling. He's not playing that much at the moment. Um, England's top scorer at the, uh, the Euros. Mm. But yeah, this could... It could be coming home. You never know. You never know. Oh, you started. You started the song already, yeah. Well, hey, mate. You never it. know. You never know. What was so, it? What was it? The last one was semi-final, then a final. So the next logical step is winner, right? Thank you. Logical progression is what we're talking about here. I like that. Um, I mean, out of the teams that are already secured, you know, you would think Belgium and France could be problematic. Um, Germany as well problematic is a bit too soft they are exceptional teams <laughs> they're big yeah. hands Brazil aren't Brazil of old neither are the Netherlands mm, old. I don't know about that man Brazil Brazil looks still very good still mm. very very good but yeah man, we'll see we'll see man when I was young and I, I used to just be like in awe of Brazil you know <laughs> the, the names they had uh, yeah these just, days definitely, definitely these days, it's just not the same for me um, just not the same. I mean, I've seen Richarlison playing for Brazil, man. I mean, like, yeah, they got Richarlison, they got Rafinha, but then they've also got Edison, Neymar, they've got um, Fabinho, they've got so they still got like exceptional players. So they've got not, Marquinhos. It's not quite Lucio and Ronaldinho and, and yeah, but yeah, like but, Ronaldo. It's but not. Tell me, but tell me, tell me a nation that is. Tell me a nation that has like their best generations of players right now at their peak. Belgium, not at their peak. Has Hazard, Hazard is not the player he was. KDB has been a little bit flaky. Lukaku's probably yeah at the peak, but who else? They they uh, they still play. They're still playing all the world. Okay, France are good, but is this France team as good as your your Zidane and and and, and Henri days? Nah, no, no way. No, no, That's what I'm saying. There's 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 like the names in football nowadays are not the names of what they used to be. There's exceptional players now, don't get me wrong, but there's 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 less stars than there's ever been in football. And as far as I'm concerned, take me back to the old days. What a statement. There's less stars than there's ever been. No, 100%. Oh, my God. Wait, so let me show my working out. That's quite a big statement. I'm not yeah, cool. Let me show my working out. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you because I think that's actually a fact, but it's just a statement for you to actually say it because I don't think I've heard anybody actually say that. No, 100%. And, like, what and we've got look is, at all of the nations... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You can't like, really argue with it. Yeah, of course. If like, if you look at football right now, yeah, in in like the last fifteen years, we've had arguably two of the greatest players to ever play, right? Like, kind of like Messi and Ronaldo, and there hasn't really been many people who have kind of got to that level. I think Suarez was there at a stage. I think definitely Neymar was there at a stage. Hazard kind of flirted with that level, but didn't really do it internationally. Even Aguero was a great, like, domestic, like, a domestic legend, but never done it on an international stage. Lewandowski's kind of doing it now, but there's, there's, who's really bridged that? But if you go back to, like, say, my favourite tournament ever is Euro 2000, right? When I start listing some of the, the teams and the names and the quality that was just was there, like, you had Del Piero, you had Burkamp, you had um, Omri, you had Zidane, um, like when you just go through all of the list of like such like 
the just the best things in the World Cup two years previously. You had the real Ronaldo. You had you had Rivaldo. You had Christian Vieri. You had like the like just so many just like top top. top. Gabriel Batistuta was in that was it was in that World Cup as well. Like these are the like. They, there's not that quality, and yeah, don't get me wrong. We've still got exceptional players like your Mo Salas are great, like Kevin De Bruyne's great. But when I'm talking about actual stars, real legends, olden days had more stars than like than we have now. Definitely, definitely. You heard it here first, guys, on the Playing Podcast. There is probably the least amount of stars in world football today than there's ever been. Wow. I don't know about ever been in it, but if we're talking about like the last, the last like recent period, like maybe where football's really been on TV, I feel like there there are less stars now than there ever has been. I think everyone agrees with you. I don't think yeah. there's something to argue with. Just it's just quite a dramatic statement when you say it. You know me. Um, man. Well, that kind of uh, concludes our talk right there. Um, that's another great episode with us, your gracious host, talking that football talk, walking that football walk. Apart from Ash, who hasn't played for the Trotters in about two years, and now they're about to lift the trophy, you know, top of the league and all of that. And it's, now he's it's, it's all the, you know what it is? It's, you know what it is? It's the energy I give whenever I turn up to training. Like, it's not even regular anymore, but like when I turn up to training, they're like, ooh. There's this energy that's there and it's pushing them forward. So, yeah. Right, that's what it right, right. Something like bullshit training at Arsenal again, isn't it? Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Listen, they're, they're, just, they're just really good players and I'm really glad to see that they're doing so well. So, yeah, great bunch of lads. Yeah, out to them. Um, yeah, we'll be back again in another couple of weeks bringing you your football roundup. But for now, take care of yourselves um, and look after yourselves, man. Most definitely look after yourself. Love that neighbour. Love thy brother and thy mother and thy father. I'm getting real biblical, but I'm about to be out. So, peace. Yeah, peace. Be kind to yourself.